Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, we are recording. What's up, everyone? This is Kevin Daisy coming to you with another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. I'm also the founder of Array Digital. We exist to help law firms grow and fill their pipeline using digital marketing. Today, I have a guest coming out of Pennsylvania, Chris Batista. Welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? And I kind of gave away your secret there. It's been, uh, I guess, out of Fairfax, Virginia, which I'm in Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And so uh, backstage, I say, yeah, you're in Virginia too. And he said, well, actually, I'm not. So, uh, but I'll let Chris explain that to you and, and some changes he's had uh, with his practice and I guess his uh, his life. So, but first, before we get into that, Chris, mm-hmm. give us the audience the Chris story. What's the Chris? What? Well, what was your uh, journey like? What what triggered you to become an attorney? And and kind of give okay. us all the, all the good I mean, stuff. I guess start start with the beginning elevator pitch. Fifteenth um, <laughs> year licensed attorney. I think it's fifteen, maybe sixteen now. And I've been in solo practice for pretty much the distance of it. I'm licensed in five states now, uh, Mm. D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and New York. And uh, I've always had a a business-focused practice. I I started by, you know, doing the things that I needed to do to pay the bills and developed good relationships with government subcontractors all across the Dulles Toll Road. Mostly uh, IT uh, organizations and government pricing organizations, proposal assistance and things like that, which were, you know, four or five man shops that four or five person shops, excuse me, I've been corrected about that before, that just basically specialize in very, very niche practices and have, you know, have companies of, you know, maybe uh, one or two million in revenue. And because the government contracting business on the low end is so competitive mm-hmm. and there's so many joint partnership agreements, joint venture agreements and mergers and acquisitions and all those other types of things that as that business started to accelerate, I became very good at contracts and I became very good at low end mergers and acquisitions. And uh, yes, I've been doing that. I've, You know, I mean, I got licensed in 2006. I really started to expand the business practice around 2008. And it's turned into a full-fledged thing. But yeah, I've never, uh, I never did go the firm path until around 2016. I have enough counsel relationship with Longman and Van Grack, a firm of seven attorneys out in Maryland. And I mean, and we can talk about that. But now what I'm doing is expanding my profile. I became a certified merger and acquisition advisor with the uh, AMA, the, I forget what the acronym stands for, but the Alliance of Mergers and Acquisitions Advisors, which, you know, for, for an attorney to do that, since it's so heavily financed focused, is a pretty, is a pretty tough road to go down to get that certification. But I managed to do it. You're a smart guy. Had a, well, I had a felt a little bit of inferiority complex kind of thing trying to, you know, learn what they teach in MBA school in a period of a couple of weeks in order to, to be able to pass the exam. But I did manage to do it. 
So between the certification and the licensure in five states, I am now uh, casting a wide net. And the way that I've divided my work is that my firm, the, the, the law offices of Christopher and Batista will handle mergers and acquisitions of five million and below. And for okay. ones that are five million and higher, those are conducted through Longman and Van Grack because at that economy of scale, you need reachback capability and the ability to bring in other lawyers and a much higher level of proficiency. So depending, you know, that it's part of mastering the multiple boutique mm-hmm. strategy where you can, you know, if some type of business comes into the door, you can direct it in different ways where it specializes more towards what their needs are. No, I think that's great that you've, it's a good business model to have. I think work on the ones you can handle and, and do good work for and well, yes. have a relationship to pass one to the smaller, The smaller firms don't have the ability to do the billable rate that a multi-person firm has. And, you know, in terms of this niche, it's not that it's not a big niche, but the supply is greater than the demand. There are a large number of people, particularly in the in the government contracting toll road world, that really need legal help and expertise in doing these kind of things. They're sizable enough they can't do it on their own. They're not sizable enough that they could pick up the yellow pages in DC and go contact Latham and Watkins to go do six hundred dollar an hour work in order to create, you know, ironclad acquisition with particularly when there's not millions of dollars of liabilities at stake. So Sure. Uh, I'm, I've kind of managed to to fall into where that niche is with the certification becoming more prevalent and the fact that lockdown is opening up. Longman and Van Grack is going to start doing a larger volume of these higher level acquisitions. And that will be accompanied by me doing more travel back and forth from New York, Philadelphia, and D.C. in order to sell that. No, I love it that you've, you've kind of found your place, your your niche, if you will. And, uh, yeah. you know, of course, in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, and in my area, I'm in Norfolk mm-hmm. area, Virginia, there's a lot of government contractors mm-hmm. that are around that size that are looking to grow. And uh, for whatever reason, are you, do you work with a lot of like 8A or any kind of... I've done, I've done some, usually at that, you know, yes, yes, I've done... Like I've done service... Some. Disabled, veteran-owned, yeah, something I've, like I've that. Yeah, I've done a fair amount of 8A work. Um, the, most of the intricacies of the 8A rules are well-known by the guys who run the 8As, so I, I don't really need to focus on that aspect of it as part of the niche. They bring to the table what it is they need to bring. What they really need is somebody who can really tighten contracts and think through liabilities and pitfalls and things like that. And that's, I think that that's kind of what my core skill has always been is that I can take a look at something that looks great for everyone. And I can come up with a list of six or seven things that could possibly go wrong with it. Um, (laughs) It's a great skill to have for your career. It might not represent itself optimally on a personal level. (laughs) <laughs> well you know we uh we have business attorneys we went to a merger at one point and uh, we use our attorneys for lots mm-hmm. of things and ask them what they think on this or that or and they, they come up with all the all the ways things can go bad or options for ways to handle it and it, it's invaluable you know we rely on their opinions so mm-hmm. i'm assuming a lot of people have counted on you and uh that's the thing i mean even even when i did the certification for the high-level M&A stuff, 
most of the guys that were in that room, they have experience doing this stuff, but they're doing it at a level where, you know, they'll close three or four large deals in their life. You know, I, when you do small deals and you're, and, and you're doing things along those levels, I, you know, I'll close four to five deals a year. And so, I mean, much more actual experience in in terms of having just raw gray matter of physically witnessing the number of things (laughs) that can go wrong, that definitely informs my experience. And remember, if you are selling, if you are selling a company that is worth a million or $2 million and there are things that go wrong, your bandwidth to tolerate the loss of those things that go wrong is way, way smaller. Then what happens if a, if a big company experiences some type of unpredicted losses? So the yeah. level of scrutiny is actually higher. There's not much in, <laughs> in, in terms of in terms of what your risk tolerance is. Well, actually, I appreciate you explaining that. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Law. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com or call us at any time. 757-333-3021. Another question, just because uh, yeah. we mentioned, yeah. I mentioned in the beginning, is uh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's, uh, what's, what's up yes, with I, moving uh, in? I moved from Fairfax, Virginia to Media, Pennsylvania three days ago. Out of the press, as everyone, you heard it here first. Yes. I'm really thankful that web cameras have a very narrow perimeter because I don't think you want to see the state of this office outside of the scope of what's covered by this camera. It's not a pretty picture yet, but I just made that move. And as I said, it's going to dovetail into the idea of Philadelphia being the concentric circle of my ability to pull down business and practice. You know, with being licensed in five states, I have the ability to do that type of representation anywhere from Buffalo to Virginia Beach. And if that's the case, I want to be in the center of it so as to minimize my travel time. That's awesome. So was that primarily a business decision? Yeah, I I think it was. I mean, yes, it was primarily a business decision. The the quality of life in Northern Virginia has gotten a little bit more difficult between the level of construction on 66 and the pandemic lockdown and the tolerance for virtualized appearances has gone way up. The need to be in the place where the clients are is, is not as large as it was just two years ago. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I did. I made an, ex- I did, I made an executive decision when I had a lot of time to think <laughs> while lockdown was in operation. And this was the plan that I came up with and I've just recently executed on it. Love it. You're a man of action. But yeah, it sounds like it's really going to help your firm and your business. And absolutely. And that's the decision you got to make when running a business, right? So that's correct. Yeah. So good on you. You know, what are some of the ways you're getting in the door with some of these clients? I mean, obviously, word of mouth, doing good work. Uh-huh. What else do you have besides those yeah. things? I'm sure have worked well. The, the, what else have you done? You know, the certification, I was kind of taking a gamble on the fact that if I was a lawyer who was MA certified, that it would bring in more business. And as luck would happen, that gamble actually did pay off. I do get calls from the street. I do get calls from people who are just, you know, who are just doing searches on LinkedIn saying, we want a lawyer who's uh, M&A certified. And that's a small pool. 
when you exclude the guys who fall into that category who are part of really big firms, then it's an even smaller pool. You know, there are a handful of guys out there who do that, but most of them are not free agents, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it turns out, turns out that that gamble actually uh, did pay off fairly well. Well, um, you know, you kind of spoke, you mentioned LinkedIn and mm-hmm. uh, I just connected with you on LinkedIn before the show. I'm huge on LinkedIn. This worked great for my business. Um, the certification being a huge piece, but now you have a place that they can find that you have that. Yes. Um, and uh, your website's below too. Everyone listening, checking out uh, the show. Uh, you can go check out his website um, at cmblegalanswers.com. Yes. That's cmblegalanswers.com. You can learn more about Chris and his practice. And I, I want to say too, his LinkedIn's off there and other ways to connect with him as well. But uh, LinkedIn has been and been huge for me. And I think for you being in, in business law, yeah, it can be invaluable to yes. have a profile up there. No, I mean, I've, I've tried a bunch of different marketing strategies over the year and years, and some of them have worked and some of them have not. The SBA database is a fantastic resource for the low end, yep. you know, for the smaller companies, because, you know, you can pull down, you know, four or 5,000 profiles and, 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 you know, you could just, even sending a physical mailer. I know people have a dim view of <laughs> physical mail. I know they do, but I'm telling you that like, if, if you believe that you're just going to go out and reach people by regular spam emails, your chances of people seeing it are non-existent. Yeah. But if you have a simple postcard that tells someone every everything that you need them to know about you, and they can do it just by skimming it in five seconds, if it's congruous with what it is they're looking for, that's a sale. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'll, you'll probably get a handwritten card from me shortly. Right. After this interview, at least. Yeah. So, say, Thank uh, you. <laughs> um, you know, so, I mean, I, I did a lot of those big net types of activities and some of them have worked and some of them haven't worked. But I think now post certification, I'm really kind of in the phase now where instead of doing grassroots work, I'm going to be doing grass tops work. I mean, there are people in the M&A business, private equity, mergers and acquisitions, venture capital, all those types of things. If I build a strong relationship with two or three of those guys, that's going to make my book for the rest of my career. So the shotgun approach is something that worked to get me to this point in time, but it's not where I see the future going. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think that's that's a good approach for you for sure and what you're doing. And uh, yeah, and it's different. Uh, we have attorneys probably listening from all different types of practice and, and various by you know by mm-hmm. practice area too. Some some immediate like personal injury. That's you got to show up when people look for you. Yeah. Um, and, but you doing business law, it's a little bit different. It's B2B, it's uh, relationships, yeah. it's referrals and leveraging the, there's different, different things are going to work. So yeah. you got to do what works for you. But so what is, you know, what is the, so you say, you know, maybe four or five deals a, a per year that you might get through. Mm-hmm. What kind of, uh, you know, you've moved to Pennsylvania you've kind of done that as a business decision. What does uh, the next couple of years look like as uh, things are kind of changing and hopefully coming out of COVID? Well, I, I, yeah, I think I think there's going to be a focus more on the, like I said, the grass tops aspect of this. Um, there are grass tops. Uh, I've actually never heard that before. Yes, is, uh, I, I, know, that. I started, started <laughs> my career on Capitol Hill and grass tops and, and grass grassroots types of things. And yes, that's grass tops is the 
phrases they use of saying that like you do want to throw a net out there, but you don't want to throw a net at everyone. You want to target the people that really do have the ability to have some influence and throw the net out just to them. Interesting. That's, I like that. You know, so yeah, I mean, as far as that, as far as that goes, you know, my future I think is going to involve really reaching out to networking groups of the people who are doing this type of merger and acquisition work for a living and creating add-on support because for the guys who are in venture capital, every single one of them needs a business evaluator. Every single one of them needs a CPA. They need a lawyer. They need a roaming staff. And if they have a project management professional, if they have those individuals as part of a working team, some of them have the ability to just do churn and burn where that, you know, they'll go, they'll go straight from one deal to the next deal and just roll over and do this. So I think that, yes, the future involves me leveraging that to them, which is going to involve more trips to New York, more trips, to, you know, trying to do these private equity chapters. I know that the AMA has a chapter in Philly. It has a chapter in New York. It has a chapter in Harrisburg and has a chapter in D.C. And leveraging the attorneys over at, um, at Longman and Van Grack will also give me the ability to go to go fill these hours and get this type of work done, even if I'm not going to be, you know, booking 100 percent of the work. Gotcha. You know, yeah. I see myself guiding more towards new business development and, and those types of skills. But I mean, I'm just speculating. I. I we're coming out of a, a post-lockdown environment where, I, where I'm not confident that anyone knows what the environment's going to look like. And right now, it appears that it, it's not a deal breaker to not physically be in the room. I don't know if it's going to stay that way. I think maybe, I'm speculating here, but I think that yeah. we may start to be spreading too thin on this whole concept of virtualization. It doesn't provide the level of quality control that's really needed. I mean, it was something that we had to do when it had, when that had to be the circumstance, but we're not, we might not be in that in the future anymore. And I, I'm wondering if there's going to be a pullback and whether or not, you know, pressing the flesh and, and physical being in the room is going to be the kind of thing that is going to pull down the business versus not. Yeah, I, I think you're right. But I think, you know, being prepared as much as you can, yes. you know, we don't know exactly what's happening uh, with everything, but uh, being the best place and position you can be in. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think we'll, I think, being more virtual is going to be more prevalent. Uh, I think it's will probably be more of a hybrid type of situation. I think also with offices, people going back, people not going yeah. back, big companies saying you don't have to work at home. You can work at home permanently. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll see a, a big shift towards more virtual, but I think you'll probably have a, a follow-up shift. That's we want to be back face to face. We want to be back and trending back towards being around people again. So yeah, um, yeah well, we're back in the office. Especially if I'm looking to cultivate a few relationships with some high volume people. I mean, that's, you're right. I mean, could you do the virtualization for, you know, a volume business of small one-offs? Yeah, you could. But I'm thinking that, if you know, if there's somebody out there who's an investor who has a hundred million dollars that they're willing to spend, you know, and, and, this ain't and, enough. and <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not, maybe after the introductions is made or made and the relationship is built, then you can go into virtualization. But yeah, exactly. I, don't, I don't think they're going to want to do that stuff by screen. Yep. When you're spending other people's money, they're, they're, nobody's interested in cutting corners, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. So, so yeah, I mean, face to face. That's my thought. I don't know if it's true, but that's my thought.
Yeah, no, I, I've heard, you know, mixed things from different folks and it depends on what I think what law you're practicing um, as well. Yeah. I know for some trial attorneys I've interviewed here on the show and they want to be in front of a jury face to face or they don't feel like they have an advantage. Yeah. And doing a Zoom, a trial over Zoom has not been effective at all for them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's teach their own, I think. And uh, but I like being face to face. I like going out and networking. I like meeting people as much as I can. So mm-hmm. I'm on the same page with you for sure. But there are some efficiencies in this. And I think once you have a relationship, then it becomes a little easier to right. do. Even though you have, you know, we'll have a client like, hey, I'm going to come meet you at your office. And then the next time it's like, hey, we can just Zoom call. It's cool. You know, so it's right. like, we're good now, you know, so. But you had to have that well, initial. Like, look, if the worst crime in the world is that I spend two or three days in downtown Manhattan as a single guy because I'm, a, I'm an hour and a half a cellar ride away. As far as the pain threshold goes, that's not very painful for me. I, I, I can easily find a way to, to turn that in, in my favor. And um, so that's just one of those things. You know? Yeah, I like traveling anywhere. People are like, where are you going? Like, I could go anywhere. And I'm like, I'm, I'll enjoy it. So mm-hmm. that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing all that. I would say reach out to Chris, connect with Chris, his website, cmblegalanswers.com. He's new to the, was it Media, Pennsylvania, right? Media, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area. If you're another attorney in that area, especially in what he's doing, connect with uh, Chris. He's new to the area. Uh, I'm not sure how well you know that area, but. Pretty well. He's going to need some new connections. Yes, absolutely. Someone to go hang out with. Absolutely. Okay, Chris, anything else you'd like to share before we wrap it up? No, I think that's it. Uh, Yes, you can check out the website. If you need to talk to me directly, the phone number's on it. And uh, I stay on top of my emails. So uh, if there is uh, some <laughs> desire for direct contact, make it happen. I will pick up the phone. Excellent. I appreciate you doing that. And uh, yeah, please reach out. If you got a question for, for Chris. If you're you know, someone in the M&A space that could use Chris's help, please reach out to him. Also, the episode will be up here on our website soon, arraylaw.com for such podcast. We're crossing the 150 mark, I think, for uh, managing partners interviewed this year. So we got a lot of great content on there. Go check it out. Chris's will be up there soon uh, where you can check him out. More information will be on there about him and his firm. And uh, if you need help growing your firm, uh, growing your case pipeline, we can possibly help. We do website development, SEO, advertising, and social media. So we help firms grow by getting the word out. You know, Chris has a unique approach here too, I think. Is it, it's a grass tops approach? Or something grass like that? tops. That's awesome. I love that. So thanks for sharing that little tip. And, um, but for everyone else out there, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening to the show, Chris, you can stay on with me for just a second, but everyone else we'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. We've been recording this podcast free of charge for years. Hopefully you're getting amazing value out of it. We don't ask for much, but would you do us one favor? Would you tell just one person about this podcast? If you get any value whatsoever, all we ask, and we'd greatly appreciate it is share the podcast with one person just like you.